Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. It's been rare because we've had a family of 10 staying with us. It's down to two. Pretty excited about that. Uh, uh, Glow, some of you know Glow, and their um, nine kids got baptized here. And um, they stayed with us for a little while. They got a new house. We're very excited. Everybody's gone except for Ricky and Grandpa, so Ricky and Grandpa are still with me, and they send their love. But we're excited. Um, I was asking Father Lord, like, capacity, hello. (laughs) Ten people, right? Like, how do we do this, right? And uh, I just kept hearing that same thing you told Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, Stephanie. The very fact that you feel like you don't have what it takes to get the dishes done and the laundry done and be nice and remember the potato salad (laughs) and all the other things that are on your plate, I want you just to know my grace is sufficient for you. I cover you where you miss it, and I give you power where you really need it because it's really all about relationships and discipleship. Amen. And he was just talking to my heart about the reality that this is what ministry actually looks like. I teased my son. He's 20. Well, he's 19. And I said, uh, you know, he's an only child now. He's kind of had the house to himself. And every once in a while with 10 people in the house, when you're used to being the only one, it's a lot, right? It's a shift. And um, Father and I, he and I were having a couple talks. And I said, buddy, you know, welcome to Frontline Ministry. This is what it looks like. It's messy. It's in your face. Sometimes you can't get away from it, right? Amen. Those are, yeah, you're laughing because you know. Amen. You got y'all to catch on later. So as I'm talking to Father God this morning, I'm asking him, Daddy, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to your kids? I kind of had this picture in my mind of Father sitting down with men specifically and just wanting to have a chat. And then I had this vision of him walking up and giving them a hug, kind of putting his arm around them, saying, come here, son giving him a big hug and putting his arm around, saying, come here, son, let's go have a chat. So the name he gave me was a talk, a talk with Father God. And I thought that was interesting. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? We can have chats, we know this, with God anytime, anywhere. We can approach his throne of grace with boldness, Seeking mercy when we need it or empowerment when we need it. Bringing him the truth and the reality of the unmasked self and who we are at any time. But when I saw this vision earlier today, it was real tender. It was intimate. It was eternal. It's like I could see the joy on his face. It was about covenant. It was about legacy. He was given the hug. He was putting his arm around the shoulder. It was almost like he was saying, darling, let me teach you how to create a legacy for yourself, for your son, for your lineage, for the generations coming after you. And I was like, I'm really glad I get to give this, hear this firsthand, (laughs) because I want to know too. And then he reminded me of this book that we used to read to our kids when they were younger, and it was called, it's by Max Lucadio, and it was called The Oak Inside the Acorn. 
And he reminded me of Isaiah 61 and the fact that he calls us oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for what? For the display of his splendor. In other words, we're all acorns at one point in our life, right? We're the seed. We're this, you know, got all this potential on the inside of us. But we're called to be planted somewhere and to become an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. What does that mean? That means we're planted where he tells us to be planted. We're planted how he tells us to be planted. We stay when he tells us to stay. We go when he tells us to go. We get pruned when he wants to prune us. Amen? Planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, for his glory. And then he gave me these three words, which I thought was interesting because I typically think of these three words in the context of stewardship. And I was a little surprised and I didn't fully understand it until I got toward the end of what he was downloading to me. And he said, time, treasure, and talent. Those are the three things I want to talk to my sons about today. And really, frankly, there's no male or female in the spirit, so this can be for moms and dads. But today is Father's Day and I really felt like specifically he wanted to honor the dads. Um... And specifically, frankly, um, I really felt a resounding when he gave the hug, when I saw that picture of him giving the hug, I just felt like he was saying to the men who are still in the church, to you faithful ones that have stayed the course, to those of you that have stayed in it when it hasn't been easy, just well done. And can we just give them a hand real quick? Just give the men a hand. You guys have stood the test, you've stayed standing, you've stayed faithful, you've persevered, you've loved, you've sacrificed, you've given generously, you've been patient with us women as we've come into our own, trying to figure out our role in the kingdom. And I just hear, well done. I really do. I hear, well done. I hear, well done. And then this little quote from the book came up. And it was the first thing. It's like I could see... Father God sitting here and the man sitting here, and it was like he was leaning in to tell him this, and he said, in every acorn, there's an oak. In every acorn, there's an oak. And so often we look at the seed and we're like, Lord, I don't have this, I don't have that. Or my child or the one I'm discipling or this person I'm in relationship with doesn't have this and they don't have that. But there was such a look of tenderness on his face when he leaned in to tell that man that. He said, in every acorn is an oak. And it was, he was saying it in a way to almost like he was trying to help him understand or help me understand because I was hearing it too that don't negate the, the days of the acorn. It's okay. The acorn is an intentional season. But look for the oak in the acorn. And when we call out the oak in the acorn, when we call out the potential in that seed, in that person, it changes their whole perspective of themselves. And then they start to come forth. So I said, all right, Lord, you said time, treasure, and talent. And I said, what do you want to say about time? And he said, make the most of every moment. And it was that same thing. Every time he said something, I could see him in a picture, like in a vision, like leaning in. Make the most of every moment. And then I started to reminisce my own life with my kids, you know, and some of the things I did and how it was busy sometimes. And he said, focus on the moments with your children. Point them to me. Help them to learn to see the world the way I see it. So kind of going back, you know how you do, you reminisce. And I went back, I was like, okay, yep, I did that, Lord. I pointed my kids to you. You know? And then he said, life is a series of small, seemingly insignificant moments, more than it is about these major events and accomplishments. And we oftentimes 
celebrate the major events and accomplishments because we're coming to the culminating end of all these small moments, right? So think about high school graduation. Someone persevered through kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, through geometry, through algebra one and algebra two. <laughs> right? And then they finally get to the end of this, and we do this huge celebration called graduation, and we all celebrate them, but it's been 12 years of day after day moments of obedience, moments of discipline, moments of continuing to do what was maybe not easy, moments of pressing in, moments of showing up, moments of trusting, Moments of everything not being perfect, moments of making mistakes, moments of having to do stuff when our emotions weren't in the right place, moments. And I started to think, gosh, I'm 45 years old. I homeschooled both my kids, right? So we spent 13 years sewing into our children. And I've spent a lot of moments with them because they were home all the time. So when they weren't sure about somebody they wanted to date or somebody hurt their feelings or they were upset because they thought I was thinking something about them maybe that wasn't true or I was too short with them or whatever, we'd have a moment. And I'm not talking about like we had a moment. I'm talking about like we had a moment. You understand when Brent's laughing, he gets it. You know, we would have a talk. We'd sit down and have a conversation and communicate. Tell me what's going on, darling. You ever walk into a room and you know you can feel in the spirit that something's wrong with someone else? That's because quantum physics is a literal reality. So, so often we can walk into a room and you can feel someone's frustration, disappointment, anger, self-pity, rage, whatever that is, sadness, right? Because they're literally vibrating. Those emotions literally vibrate. That's why the feeler gift and the seer gift is so real. You can walk into a room and you go, ooh, because it's right here. You, can anybody testify that? Is it just me? Yeah. So we know. And then you ask the question of your kid. You say, hey, are you okay? I'm good. Really? <laughs> that's the conversation? That's where we're going to go with this? You're good? You know, you can feel here that they're not, but for whatever reason, the child's not in a place where they're willing to talk about it or be honest with themselves or you about it, right? So he was bringing me back over all the years and all these moments I had with my kids where he was, they were in acorn form. They were still a seed. And they didn't really, the hardness was still on the outside of them. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand what was going on. They weren't sure how to communicate what it was they were feeling, right? And then it reminded me of this book, um, which we'll, we'll talk about later, I guess. But um, every single moment is an opportunity to shepherd someone's heart. I'm going to talk later about this, but there's a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And I, I believe God shepherds our hearts and fathers shepherd their children's hearts when they go after them. And I just want to honor um, specifically Brent and um, Alan because you guys do this really well. I don't know you well enough yet, Mike, but I did get to see you in the drum class do that with um, the one little Brendan, I think it was, right? There's a grace God gives men, an authority he gives them to shepherd hearts where you can sow into people and ask them a specific question about what's going on and you see the hardness and you see the frustration on them and you see the irritation, but you sow into their destiny of becoming an oak of righteousness. And you say, you know what, I see this. Even though you hear the hardness, but I see this in you. Have you thought about that? 
boy, you're a good drum player. I remember. And he nailed that last, when you, the young man you worked with, he nailed that. He was so excited, he knocked the whole drum set over at the end of the, at the, end of the performance. But we couldn't get him to play when he first started. But Mike sewed. He called the oak of righteousness out of that young man, and he exploded. It was beautiful. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, man, life is short. At the end of our days, I won't be thinking about how many trophies my kids won or what great named school they went to or what kind of fancy car they drive or what house they live in or what kind of label clothes they wear. I'll be asking myself, did I equip them for life? Did I help them know what's important? Did I equip them to be able to endure any difficulty that might come their way? To always forgive, to receive the fullness of God's grace and to be healed and remain in that perfect relationship with the Father, always connected. People always look at my kids and you're like, your children are amazing. And I'll tell you a quick story. I just saw it in my mind's eye while I was saying that. So I'm standing over my banister one day, and some of you have heard this. And I'd been homeschooling. They were about seven and eight years old. And Cammie's getting, I'd holler down over the banister, okay? So I got these stairs. And I said, hey, guys, it's time to take your shower. I need you to go get in the shower. Okay, la, 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 la. Well, Cammie gets in there first. And Jaden, <laughs> God love him, the wonderful little brother that he is. She's in the shower. She's getting ready, and everything's quiet. And I hear her singing. Jesus loves me, this I know. And I'm leaning over the banister, proud. Oh, like, Father, this is all worth it. The tears start coming to my eyes. For the Bible tells me so. And I'm like, eh, God, you're so good. I'm starting to worship him at the top of the banner. And then I hear Jaden join in. Little ones to him belong. And I'm like, oh, you're so good, my kids. Well, you taught him everything. I'm crying and bawling. And then I hear Cammie scream from the shower, Jaden, that is my song, and you're not allowed to sing it with me. And I thought, I thought, okay, I still got work to do, right? So even when we're sowing into people and they've come out of the acorn stage and they're coming into the kind of being an oak of righteousness, we still have moments, right? Where maybe our roots are starting to go down and as a spiritual parent or as, as Father God or as a father or as a mother, we're so pleased and we're so proud with the growth, right? And then that, you go, oh, okay, we still got some growth to do. But the beautiful thing about a godly father and about Father God and godly parents is we're still celebrating the shift. We're, we're further than we were before. Thank God they're not where they used to be. Something eternal is, has been accomplished and is budding and is bearing fruit in their lives. And we can celebrate that, and that is awesome. Amen? So it's about the moments. When we take the time in these moments... To teach them about Father God and to teach them to have a heart after God, it literally sets a trajectory of blessing for their entire lives. So they aren't just aimlessly wandering around all the days of their life, kind of letting life happen to them. Godly parents set a trajectory so that you can embrace and experience all the fullness of the inheritance in Christ Jesus and all the fullness of his blessings. Amen.
All right. So then again, I see this picture of Abba with this guy, and he leans in again, and I hear this verse. Dedicate your children, and this is not how it's written, okay? It actually says to God, but I put the pronoun me in there as if Father was saying it. Dedicate your children to me and point them in the way they should go. And the values that you learn, they learn from you will be with them for life. Sometimes we get all nervous about rearing kids and what we did do and what we didn't do and the mistakes we made or didn't make. But the reality is if we point them to God as their God and not us as their God, they're going to be all right. Amen? Because we're fallible. We're imperfect. We're still growing. We're still having our moments, right? And that's okay. But if we point them to him, they're going to be set on that trajectory to keep their eyes on him. They'll be able to forgive us. They'll be able to walk in love. They'll be able to walk in forgiveness. They'll be able to walk in grace. They'll be able to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And it takes the pressure off, right, of being in that place of performance. I need to be the perfect mom. I need to be the perfect dad. I need to be the perfect parent. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And it frees us up to just love them. And to be on a journey with them, just like we talk about. You know, you belong to a community that's journeying together. Hey, in a family, as a father, as a mother, a child really is journeying with you as a sister in Christ or as a brother in Christ as well, as you're being your child, right? It's an interesting dynamic. But if we teach them that at a young age, it prepares them for that moment when we let them out the nest when they go to go fly on their own because they, they've already in their mind been prepared for the reality that one day we're going to be peers. One day we're going to be sisters and brothers in the, as far as the body goes, right? Your training will be complete. We'll be in a different place, and I'm going to look at you and go, what's God saying? You're going to be like, hmm. You're not thinking, Mom, what do you mean? You're thinking, okay, sister, I don't know. That's a good question. I need to bring my portion. Or here it is. Right? Or, man, that was good. Right? It's a different relationship. The NIV version of that proverb says, train your child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn away from it. And I never realized this until a couple years ago, but that goes two ways. So if you train them up real godly, when they're old, they're going to return to that. Okay? If you don't train them up real godly, and you didn't know how... and they turn to that other way when they're old, don't be surprised, and it's okay. God can still redeem it, okay? Anybody been there, right? And you're like, oh, I wish I knew then what I know now because I wouldn't have done that, (laughs) right? But God is good, and he works all things together for good, right? And they're still watching you, and you still have an opportunity to coach them and to love them. And that was another thing I felt like Father wanted to say, you know, um, Father's Day is different for everybody. Some people don't have fathers, so it's a sad day, right? Some people uh, have lost children, so it's a sad day. Some people don't have real good fathers, so it's a sad day. Some people, you know, their kids don't talk to them, so it's a sad day. But some people, you know, they got a healthy relationship with their dad, and it's awesome, and they love it, and they're like, this is the best, right? We all get together, and we do things. We need to take that in consideration. But I felt like Father God wanted to tell you it's okay, Whichever one of those you're in, whatever situation you're in, it's okay. Because you have a heavenly father that loves you perfectly. And he is right here, right now, pressing into your heart, in your situation. He wants to help you with anything that you need. And if you made mistakes, it's, I just hear, it's okay. 
His mercies are new every morning. And there's not a single thing that you feel like you've messed up that God can't fix, that God can't turn around. He's the God of the impossible. He created the entire universe with a single word, and it's still multiplying. The universe literally is still multiplying at the saying of a single word, let there be light. That's amazing to me. That's how capable he is. So be encouraged, okay? This is why we do child dedications. It's an opportunity to say, Lord, they are yours. Anybody have moments? Usually we do that when we're upset. Lord, this is your child. <laughs> that child you gave me, <laughs> right? But we do literal child dedications. When a baby's born, right, we bring them to the front. We say, Lord, this is your child. In other words, you created this little one. I'm not sure what all is in this acorn. I want to know. I want to understand. I want to steward it well. But I'm not sure this is your child. And then we ask God for the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding and the grace to know who he created them to be. I think we're coming out of a season where we kind of did the cookie cutter thing where dads and moms kind of said, this is the way we go to church. This is the way we go to work. This is the way we do marriage. This is the way we dress. This is the way we talk. This is the way we don't talk. And we're coming into an era that really understands fatherhood and identity unlike any other generation before us, I believe. Because for the first time in a multitude of generations that I personally know, and I'm only four decades old and a half, 45 for those of you that don't like math, we're learning about liberty. We're learning about destiny and God's original intent for people. And that he can give a beautiful little oak acorn to a woman and that particular acorn is going to be a musician and not be an accountant. And that sometimes God likes to do that. We don't know why. Maybe it's to even out or balance out the family. Maybe it's to bring more beauty into that particular community. We don't know, but God knows what he's doing. And I think back in the day, you know, some of that was poo-pooed. Well, you still need to do this. You still need to look like this. I still need you to follow this trajectory because this is the practical thing to do. And what we're learning, at least what I'm learning, and what I, my observation is that the church is learning, is that, where there's love, there's liberty. And when we get that little acorn, instead of trying to mold it and shape it and cookie cutter it, we're saying, who did God create you to be? What do you want? What do you think? What do you feel? What do you want to try? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? You can be anything in the world. And then we're learning to partner with God to parent, to father our children, to mother our children. Amen? And it's beautiful. God knows the gifts and talents he's given our children. And our job is just to simply steward those gifts, to steward that child, because ultimately he's theirs, right? To support them, to encourage them, to teach them, and to help point them in the right direction. Because they don't stay with us forever. All right, the next thing he leaned in and said was, your relationship with your child lays the foundation for how they will relate to me. And this specifically is really more directed towards men. 
Okay, I know I'm speaking from a personal testimony, but psychologists talk about this all the time. When Craig was here and he was doing some, you know, um, more advanced training with me and I was working with a few people, he was explaining how oftentimes a person will project onto Father God specifically the issues that they have experienced with their own father or mother, okay? So he said, well, Stephanie, it's sort of like this. They're sort of the first God that you know. Your parents, you worship them in a sense, right? They're everything to you when you're young. And without realizing it, we keep that in our mind, and then we portray or project those same belief systems upon Father God or our Heavenly Father, even if they're not true. So Father was saying your relationship, specifically fathers and also mothers, with your child lays a foundation for how they relate to me. And it was, I can see like this little grin on his face, like he's smiling, like, I so value you, I so trust you, that I am letting you be the one that sets the example for who I am in that child's life. And for many of you, you hear, I hear, well done. If their father's forgiving, they expect God to be forgiven. If their father's angry, they expect God to be angry. If their father was patient, they expect that God will be patient. And then I have in capital letters here, so teach them who I am. Teach them my ways. Tell them of my goodness. But show them first. Amen. Young children specifically are really good at this. Um, I don't know how many of you got kids, but, you know, when my kids were younger, I'd be like, hey, I can't tell that story. I should, I should, but I can't. Oh, that's funny. So we would give them an example of something that we didn't want them to do. You know, hey, guys, you really shouldn't do this. You shouldn't yell. Okay, I'll use that. That's safer. Yes, Lord. Okay, so you shouldn't yell. You really shouldn't yell, you guys. It's not kind to raise your voice. When we communicate with other people, if we're yelling at them, it makes them feel like we're angry, and it's a way of kind of verbally pushing or intimidating people, and it's not healthy. If you have something to communicate, use your words and be honest about how you feel. And you can be emotional, but you don't have to yell and scream at the top of your lungs. So I like to drive fast. <laughs> and... I'm much better than I used to be, but occasionally when someone is stopped at a red light in front of me and doesn't go for two minutes and is texting on their phone, I'm like, hello, <laughs> are we going to move? <laughs> and my children so graciously remind me of the lessons that I taught them not to raise their voice and they will remind me not to raise mine. Okay, that's one example. But it's that idea that the way we go, they go. Amen? And kids are really good at that. So oftentimes, even if we're discipling somebody, we're teaching somebody the ways of the Lord, and they go, hey, you said this to me. It's better to just say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Right? Because the temptation is to get real proud and puffy. Oh, well, huh. who do you think you are? You've only been in the Lord a couple of years, and I'm Sister Super Christian or Mr. Macho Christian, right? I got this down. Right? But humility goes a long way. I'm just saying, you know what? That's a really good point. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're right. Amen. Go to this next one real quick. 
there is training that needs to occur. Anyone who's had a child and knows that they come out basically pooping, puking, and crying, you know that there's some training that needs to happen sometime between the time when they come out to getting them to be talking and walking and cleaning, organized, disciplined human beings. It does not just happen overnight. If you look at our society, you can tell. Okay, can we just be honest? No one wants to laugh about that. It's too real right now. Okay, but it's true. Jackie, okay, Jackie laughs. Jackie got it. Right? So that's why our jails are full, okay? I'm not trying to be funny, but our jails are full because we haven't trained and disciplined our people to obey the laws of the land, okay? These words which I am commanding you today shall be written on your heart and mind. You shall teach them diligently to your children, diligently. Not just say it once. A kid's never going to remember. So if you say it once and done, they're never going to remember. It goes in one ear, out the other. They tell us somebody has to hear something approximately 17 times in order to be able to retain it and regurgitate it or teach it to someone else. 17 times. So if you ever hear me say, if, if you say to me, oh, yeah, you told me that before, there's a reason I'm telling you again because it takes 17 times, okay? So just know I love you, and I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm just going to keep on, keep on, keep on saying it, okay? Amen. Yeah, the girls are laughing. They hear it the most. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths. So there's that process where we memorize and regurgitate. When the kids were between kindergarten and fifth grade, it was a lot of memorization. Okay, tell me what the word says, you know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, Mom. That's what God's word says. Okay, so why did you punch your sister? Why did you sit on your brother for 45 minutes while I was gone to the store? Well, um, okay. Is that loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbors yourself? No. Okay. So then it shifts from that place in the mind as we take these moments with the kids and have these conversations about what's happening in the now. Right? And it's beautiful. And then that revelation makes it from the mind gate down to the heart gate where we value it. It's not just something I know now. It's something I'm actually practicing on a regular basis. It's something I'm starting to enjoy to do, even if I start out of a place of obedience. Does that make sense? He says, and speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Okay, so you're lying down. Mm -hmm. You're sitting. You're walking. So pretty much all the time. doesn't matter if you're standing, sitting, laying down, walking, whatever. In other words, he's kind of saying, I really don't care what you're doing. Everything you're doing, I want you to use it as a moment, as an example, to tell them more about me. And that hit me so hard today because both my kids, I'm almost an empty nester. My one son is getting married. Jaden's getting married. Camille has her own house. You know, I just don't see him as much. So it hit me really hard. This was, I think, man, it's a really short window we have in people's lives, especially our kids. And if even more so with each other, right, with other people in the body of Christ. And there's been so many moments where someone would write me a note and it was like all in code about certain things, like a certain thing they saw where I needed to grow. And I didn't get it till like three years later because they didn't have the courage to say something. They're trying to be all kind and whatever, and they're writing it in a card. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. Just sit me down and say, sister. Listen, just, I just need you to be quiet and listen a little bit more. 
No problem. When you say this, it comes across that way, or I, it sounded like this to me. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Can we talk about that? Right? Do you ever have situations like that where someone kind of incognito or on the sly tries to tell you something that's truth versus someone that sits down and loves you enough to say, can we just sit down and talk about this? Can we just have a real talk? Let's do real talk. Let's have a real talk moment. Why? Why? Because I don't want to incognito write you a card. I just want to have a real honest conversation because you love me and I love you. And we're going to go there. And those have been some of the most impactful conversations I've ever had. Those are some of the people I respect the most. Real talk people. Me and Lear have real talks all the way home. When I take her home, we drive home, drop her off. We real talk often, don't we? All the time. But there's a respect that's grown there because we just have real talk. Man, this happened or that happened or this went on and that went on. And we're just like, okay, let's go there. Like, what? What's going on? Let's work this out, right? Real talk. And that's what God's telling us to do with our kids, right? As godly fathers, as godly mothers, he was saying, take the time to do the real talk. Don't beat around the bush. And letters and journals and gifts and prophecies and all those things are really nice. But it is absolutely irreplaceable to sit down with a child and look him in the eye and say, son, daughter, can we chat just for a moment and to have a heart-to-heart moment? It could literally change the trajectory of their life. All right, so you're going to laugh at this next one, I hope. <laughs> I had so much fun. You don't even want to know when it, what I found when I was looking this up. So the next word he gave me was treasure, okay? Teach them about true riches. And I heard hot rods, hot bods, and hot deals. So I researched them on Google. That was a very bad idea. I would not recommend it. I would not recommend it. <laughs> Took me a long time to find this clean picture of these muscular people here. Um, but yeah, he said, teach them about true riches. Yeah, I prayed for like 10 minutes to get my mind clear after that. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, so I heard hot rods, hot bods, and hot deals, right? Like that's what the world tells us. Get a hot rod, get a hot bod. You got to look good. You got to look right. You got to be driving the right vehicle. You got to have the right clothes, right? And you got to make a way for yourself. You need to be making some money and getting everything for a steal or for a deal. But the kingdom's the exact opposite. Yeah. Our bodies are the temple of the Lord. We're supposed to take care of them. There's nothing wrong with looking good. Don't get me wrong, right? There's nothing wrong with looking good and taking care of our bodies. But let me tell you, we had this talk before. I won't go down this bunny trail again. But something happens to women after we have children. And this is just the sanctified thing that happens, right? Something happens to men when they work 40 hours a week and have to go in day after day after day after day. Something happens to that body, and they can't be working out and lifting weights every day, Right? But covenant love, covenant love says I'm in it to win it. Covenant love says I'm not going anywhere. Covenant love says I see your heart. Covenant love says I made a promise to you. Covenant love stays. Covenant love honors. Covenant love says I see the beauty in all this. <laughs> right? And covenant love frankly knows that we're getting that 33-year-old body back when we get there anyway. Hello. So it's all going to work out in the end. Amen. He said, teach them about my true riches, my love, my peace, my patience, my kindness, my gentleness, my self-control. There's nothing wrong with taking care of a body. There's nothing wrong with having nice things or getting a good deal. But those aren't the true treasures, right? And frankly, they can't be enjoyed apart from having a relationship with him. They just can't. Because we always want more. If we're operating out of a place of lust of the eyes, I want what I see or I have to have what I see, it never f gets fulfilled and then we always have to look and get more. 
If we're operating out of a place of the lust of our flesh and it's about what we feel and what we need and we can't ever be satisfied because we have to feel this or feel that, we're never satisfied. If we're operating out of the place of pride of life where we have to feel a certain amount of power or importance or significance in a room and we're not going to come, it's never enough. It's only in the place of identity, of knowing that we're an acorn in the process of becoming an oak of righteousness and that we're a son or a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords that sets us in that place where we can walk into a room and it don't matter if we're still hard as a rock, a little acorn rolling around on the floor, or we're starting to pop our own little fruit. And we're still like, man, I'm loved. That's what matters. I'm loved. You're loved. A beautiful reputation is more to be desired than great riches, and to be esteemed by others is more honorable than to own immense investments. And this is the passion translation right here, and I'd never heard it translated this way, but um, for Americans specifically, I think, you know, a friend of mine came from Ireland, Alan Cullen, and he said, when when I first came here, he's a pastor over at Trinity Church, he said, I thought you guys were crazy. I was like, what, are you ta- what do you mean? We, I mean, we kind of are, but like what part of us did you think was crazy? And he said, you guys all work two or three jobs. Like you're always out going, 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 going. He's like, you're never home with your families. You guys are always on the road. I was like, whoa. And then I went to Ireland. I was like, yeah, you guys don't do much. You just kind of do your thing. You go home and you eat and you chill with everybody. I mean, it's kind of nice. It's like being on vacation 24 because it's all about family. It's all about relationship for them. It's not about events. It's not about the big stadium gatherings. It's not that. It's about the day in, the day out, and doing life together. I just feel like that's important, right? If we teach our kids how to spend their time and to be in the moment, if we teach our kids that the true treasure is having relationship with Father God and the true riches is to have a beautiful reputation, good character. I mean, that's like, you got 90% of the people in the world built, beat. I mean, as far as peace, as far as joy, as far as kingdom, seriously. Proverbs 22.4 in the Passion Translation says, Laying your life down in tender surrender before the Lord will bring life, prosperity, honor, and reward. And a long time ago, I read a book by Andrew Murray, and it was called Absolute Surrender. It still to this day is my absolutely favorite book because it changed my life. Because surrender is the key to every blessing in the kingdom. And that verse says, laying your life down in tender surrender before the Lord will bring. It doesn't say it might bring. It doesn't say it could bring. It says when you do this, every time you do this, it will bring you life. It will bring you prosperity. It will bring you honor, and it will bring you reward. So the Lord was breaking that down with me, and he reminded me of James 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when they have stood the test of time, they will receive a crown of life. That's literal life. That's literal zoe, strength to your bones, strength to your body, strength to your souls, strength to your emotions. Come on. 
We don't need it when we get there. We need it while we're here, though, right? Revelations 2.10 says, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's a different era. Nobody wants to hear that one. But it could mean like, you know, kind of the proverbial death, if you will, not a literal death, right? Maybe you're saying no to yourself or no to your flesh or no to your pride or no to greed or whatever that is. It can be a different kind of death, right? Yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this because I want life, because I want God, because I want him. Amen. Then it says it gives you life. It gives you prosperity. So the world would say, take care of your own, right? Hold on to it. Don't be sharing with everybody else or you're not going to get any more. The kingdom is the opposite. It says give and it shall be given unto you. That's what we were talking about at the thing today. And those of you that came up, I just want to say over you, you're going to get a blessing. You're going to get a blessing. You are going to get a blessing because you stepped outside of your need, your focus, and you gave to the body of Christ. You gave to the nations. You gave to the city. You gave to the church. You sowed. And every seed, because you're made in the image of God, multiplies 30, 60, and 100-fold, and you will reap a reward. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He always rewards because he's a good, good father. He's so good. And I love that verse that talks about, and I I know people don't love these verses, but I love this one because God is also just. And he says some are going to come in and everything's going to be burned up. Hay and stubble, they ain't going to be nothing but themselves getting through that gate. He says, and others are going to come in and all the works, all those works done with the right motive of love, not performance, not people pleasing, nothing else, but with that right motive of love, <laughs> and we've all done it, amen. But those ones, they're gonna, there's gonna be rubies and gems, and who knows what those rewards will look like. But it's not gonna be burned up. Those rewards are not gonna be burned up. Those things are not gonna be burned up, and will stand the test of the fire. And to some measure, here on earth, while we're going through fiery trials, we experience that, right? In relationships, when the pressing comes and we keep our mouth shut, right? In job situations, when we want things to go a certain way and it doesn't, but we humble ourselves, we surrender ourselves to God, and he transitions us into a place of greater promotion, even though that's not what we thought was happening. It looked like one door was closing, and it was, but God really had a better plan, and he opened another door of blessing for us. But because we trusted him, we got the reward. So there's a lot of rewards we get here through tender surrender to him, but there are eternal rewards. Rick 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 Joyner went to um, heaven, and he tells the story of seeing Enoch and Elijah. And he talks about the difference in the glory on Enoch and how glorious Enoch was there versus Elijah. And he says, you know, it was kind of funny because Elijah was kind of grumpy. Like the way he was here on earth, irritable and grumpy is how he was there. And he said, but Enoch was just so full of glory and light and love and gentleness. He said it was absolutely beautiful. And I don't know what those rewards are going to look like. There, it talks about there's seven crowns we can get them. We cast them. We can cast them before the throne of Christ. We know that's one way. But I wonder if the rewards that we'll receive wouldn't be reflected in who we are, 
How much of Christ did Christ in us, the hope of glory, is what the scripture says, right? How much of Christ did we allow to be manifest in us or to be worked in us? Or did, how much tender surrender? How many times did we just say, I want you in me, not me? I want more of you and less of me, right? And maybe that's it. I don't know. But that's pretty awesome. I mean, if it's going to be an eternal thing, I definitely want to tender surrender over and over and over again, right? <laughs> until, until he has his way fully and until I really start to look like him because I'd love to be able to gaze upon his beauty and reflect it back to him. You know, what an honor. What an honor. This is so fun. So then the Lord took me to this verse in Proverbs 22.1, which also is in the Passion Translation. And I love the way it states it here. I've never heard it said this way either. It says, the benevolent man. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the very loving, kind-hearted, God-like man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the wicked is treasured up for the righteous. And then it goes on to say, the lovers of God will live a long life. Come on, say, neighbor, you're going to live a long life. <laughs> Amen. And you're going to get to enjoy your wealth. Amen. If I'm going to be rich, I want to enjoy it. I'm just saying, right? The wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. If I'm going to have money and God's going to give me some things, I want to be able to enjoy it. But the ungodly, it says, will suddenly perish. I felt like Father was saying to take some time to intentionally invest in the future of our children. So whether that's practically speaking or spiritually speaking, we have to be really intentional about that. It doesn't just happen overnight, right? Like I went over to my daughter's house the other day and we moved a ton of rocks and I was sore because we'd already walked six miles another day and then I had gone to the jumping trampoline thing with one of my nieces. I was so sore. But Lord's like, you need to go over there and help your daughter. And my mom had five kids, so she couldn't do that for us. But Father said, this is one of the ways you can sow into her home, into her land. Your mom couldn't do it for you, but you can do it for her. And it'll take that weight off and that pressure off of having to get everything perfect and doing it all by herself and feeling like she's kind of a lone ranger out there, right? So we went, we moved rocks, and I planted tomatoes, and we did different things. And my heart was just so full of joy just full of joy. And I, and I told her that day, I said, Kim, you know, my mom couldn't do this for me, but I can do it for you. And if you want, you can do it for your kids too. Because every generation that helps the next generation, it gets them a little bit of a leg up, a little bit further up, up the rung there. So that it's not so hard. So everything's not so difficult. Amen. First Peter 1, 4, I heard, teach them to be wise investors. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope, that is Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So I do have a will. I am planning to leave my children an inheritance, and I feel like a benevolent father, that's what God's saying, will do that. A benevolent parent will do that benevolent mother will do that. We'll leave them something, right? But if I want them to be a wise investor, I'm going to teach them how to invest in eternal things. Look, honey, I can leave you this little chunk of change, and it's going to help you get through this world, this earthly world. But the truth is, 
If you really want a reward, you really want an awesome retirement, let me talk to you about eternal retirement. Let me teach you how to store up treasures in heaven. Let me teach you how to persevere into character and how that hope won't disappoint you, but it'll set you up to achieve the very purposes for which you were created. And oh, the glory and the grace of God and the look you will see on his face when you meet him. When he calls us up with the sound of the trumpet in that moment and you see him face to face, the joy you will feel. Expectantly waiting and hoping to see, ready, pure white garments, knowing that you know that you know it's his righteousness, it's his blood, it's his finished work. But you can stand in his presence because you're his daughter. Because you took the time to rightly divide the word, you took the time to learn. You took the time to invest, really, in your faith, it goes on to say. Your faith of greater worth than gold. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying. Your faith. It's really all about going from that mustard seed of faith to the next level of faith, and then from glory to glory, and receiving, receiving, and going to the next place of faith, and receiving over and over and over again. That's of greater worth than gold. And if, I teach, if we teach our babies, we teach our children, we teach our sons and our daughters how to do that, imagine what the world would look like. Come on. Come on. Yes. So good. Then I saw that picture again. He leaned in and he said, you set the culture in your home. Set a culture of the kingdom. A culture is whatever is normal. This is how we do life together. This is what's to be expected when we walk into our home. This is what you're going to feel when you come in and everybody knows it. So they kind of shift into that gear when they come in, right? When people come to my house, they know they're going to talk about Jesus. They know if they tell me something's wrong, I'm going to pray for them. They know if they're going off the rails, I'm going to say, let's sit down. Let's have a chat about that. Are you okay? Why? Because the kingdom is the culture in my home. And more than anything in the world, we want you to know who you are and to fulfill all the fullness of who God created you to be. That's kingdom culture, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? His righteousness and all these other things. We don't have to worry about nothing else. If we're all about the kingdom, all that other stuff gets added to us. Amen? We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to strive for it to happen. We don't have to fight with our neighbor to get it so they don't get it. We just keep our eyes forward and be like, you know what? Vata, 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 vata. My daddy's got my back. I'm going to serve my father. I'm going to serve my Lord. I'm going to be about kingdom business. And he's going to take care of all those other details. I'm not chasing all that stuff because I don't have to. My father owns it all anyway. When I do what he tells me to do and I say what he tells me to say, he brings it all my way. Amen? Ooh, that rhymed. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. In Joshua 24... It says, well, I'll just read it to you. Joshua's having this moment, and this is in my new book um, called Rest is War. But Joshua's having a moment. He led the people, in Israelites, into the land. Um, a lot of them have fallen back into idolatry. They're very tired. They're worn out. They're frustrated. Um, they're not really going in and taking care of all the ites that the Lord told them to take care of. So basically, there were two leaders that believed, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua was in charge of, frankly, the army of God, okay? So he had the most responsibility. And he says, he just basically has a meltdown. And I realize this now. I did not know this when I first read this 10, 15 years ago, but 
leading like I lead now. I get it. It's sort of like when Jesus said, how long do I have to stay with you? Right? So he's having a parental moment, a spiritual parental moment, if you will. And he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, I was like, whoa. Then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the ancestors you serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It was almost like a crossroad moment where he's like, I just can't. That's like the kids thing right now. Is that what you guys say? I can't. I can't with you, right? I just can't. He was having an I can't moment. I can't. I can't do this, right? And have you ever had a parent say, while you're under my roof, these are the rules, right? I've had a couple of those conversations with my son lately. While you're under my roof, these are the rules. These are the timelines. You're welcome to get your own apartment, but this is when you need to be home, so I'm not wondering and waiting and trying to figure all that out, right? He's 19, 20 now. He works late, does different things. But we set that kingdom culture in our home, just like Joshua did. He basically said to the army of God, these are your options. This is what I see you doing. You have an opportunity to fall in line with this army or to shift. Because while you're in this house, as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. Right? It was a beautiful, what I call a spiritual parental moment. When we set the kingdom culture in our home as a father or as a mother, it helps our spouse and our children orient their lives around God and recognize the opportunity to serve his purposes. And I can say specifically when a dad does it, there's something about when a dad does it. When a mom does it, everybody's like, yeah, you know, mom's so sweet and that's awesome. We know mom loves Jesus. But when the dad does it, there's a presence that you carry as men that absolutely says, we are. And I'm not discussing this with you. And it's like the fear of the Lord comes on the house. And everybody's like, yeah, we are. Uh-huh. Okay, we're going to do what Dad said. Right? But the mom can say, we are. And they're all like, okay, Mom, we know you love us no matter what. Right? But Dad says, we are. And it's like the fear of God hits the house and everybody shifts. Right? So there's this beautiful opportunity you guys have as men to kind of set that tone and say, hey, this is how we're doing life. This is how we're doing life. Not because I want to try to force you to do things. Not because I don't care about your opinions. Because while you're in my house, me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And when you're 18, 19, 20, you can go do what you think you need to do. And I'll be here when you're crying and broke and wishing you hadn't gone down that path. And we'll talk it through at that time. But while you're in my house, this is how we're going to roll. Amen. And that is good, and that is godly. And in some ways, the child-rearing books are telling us not to do that anymore. Let them choose what they want to be, male or female, right? What? What, do you, what are you talking about? Listen, you were born with this, or you were born with this, or you weren't. Look down, and you will find out real fast what you are and what you are not. I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm serious. Now, there are some physical conditions, right, where people are born with both, and that's a totally different situation, okay? I mean, I can't even imagine being in that situation. That's different. Then there really is a choice that has to be made and some prayer that has to be done. But when it's not, there is no prayer needed. The scripture is really clear. I don't know where that came from. I just had to say that, I guess because it's in the news. 
So we said this, you know, men, you have such an awesome opportunity to set a kingdom culture in your house. And, and I want to say to the women, too, and I don't want to leave you out, but you're raising the next generation's kings and queens. So when daddy goes off or your husband goes off to work, continuing that kingdom culture is very important. The strongest kids come out of a home where the father supports the wife and the wife supports the father or the husband. And that kingdom culture is sustained when, he, when they're together and when they're apart. And it's consistent when they're together and when they're apart. And when that happens, ooh, the devil don't have a chance to touch your children. Now, he's going to try. But if you guys are united, that blessing is commanded. And it will come down on your home. It will come down on your family. It will come down on the babies and the grandbabies to thousands of generations because of one united, obedient couple in the Lord can change an entire legacy. Proverbs 14, 26 says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. Amen. I'm safe. I'm secure because I fear the Lord. I believe he's going to do what he said he would do. I believe there is actually an end coming to this world. I believe he actually cares enough about me that he sent his one and only son to die for my sins and that because I believe in him, I'm, I'm actually saved. It says, and for their children, it will be a refuge. Our fear of the Lord and that kingdom and culture that we set in our home actually creates a refuge for our children. I talk with my mom and dad on a regular basis and they always tell me, your kids are so well adjusted. You're right, they are well-adjusted, but really what it is is they're kingdom kids. So they know how to deal with situations in a way that other kids haven't had the opportunity because they haven't been taught. So what the world calls well-adjusted kids are really kingdom kids, prepared kids, ready kids, kids that are willing to love, kids that are willing to be brave, kids that are willing to fight for what's right, kids that are willing to forgive, Kids that know where to go to get the healing that they need. That's what well-adjusted kids are. Kids that have a supportive community, right? And as dads and as moms, that's what we do, right? Our fear of the Lord is the level that we fear the Lord and we apply his word to our lives. It's the level that we create a fortress and a safety net for our own children. Come on. All right, this was really fun. So it's like talent, time, treasure, talent. Okay, Lord, what are we talking about with talent? And he said, disciple them to be heavyweights in the kingdom and of great value. I was like, hey, I like that. So I look up this picture, and it's got this boxer here with all these championship belts on it. And I just pictured my kids, you know, and I'm including Jackie in this because she's my baby too. Picture my kids in the ring with the enemy coming at them, and they're just right hook, uppercut, right, taking them out taking them out, and I'm like, yeah, that's my baby, right? And it's one of those culminating moments where you watch them face something that you didn't possibly think would come their way, and you're watching them stand like their face, with their face set like flint, and you're going, that's my kid right there. They just nailed that for God. Did you see how loving they were? What? Right? Like the obnoxious mom in the stands or dad in the stands. I don't know about you guys, but I was the obnoxious parent. My children were often embarrassed by me, but I was so proud of them. I was so proud. And we'd spent 13 years sewing into them all these different things, right? But in the spirit, how much more, how much more proud we are. And my kids have been having a moment 
right? But I'm watching them. I'm watching them go through it. And in the spirit, I'm like, that's my baby. Yes. They are loving God. They are forgiving people. They're going back to Jesus. They're learning. They're reading that word. Come on. Right? They've been trained. Why? Because in those moments, in the beginning, we took the time in the moment. Baby, this is what a hook looks like. Oh, devil's trying to mess with you. Hook, uppercut. You got to forgive, right? When my daughter sat on my son for 45 minutes one time when she was babysitting, we had to teach Jaden a little bit about forgiveness, <laughs> okay? When Jaden wouldn't listen to her, so she had to sit on him for 45 minutes to get him to behave, we had to teach Cammy about self-control. Hook, uppercut, Right? We, we don't know until we know, right? You use the tools you have until you know to do better. But once you know to do better, you got a whole different strategy. Mom said this. Dad said this. They're going to be home in five minutes. And they told me, if you're not being good, to call them. Oh, all of a sudden, you don't have to sit on your brother no more. He's running and doing what you asked him to do, right? They learned. They've learned how to deal with the enemy, how to communicate, how to be kind, how to... Have conversations with other to use that weight in the kingdom to give people a choice to say, I see that we're heading down this road and there's a big brick wall right here. We have two choices. We can run into the brick wall or we can turn a hard right and enjoy the blessings of God. Which one do you want? Amen? Y'all ever been there? I'm telling you what, my baby's run into my brick wall a couple times, Okay. And that needs to happen sometimes. So talent, the definition of a talent is a natural aptitude or skill. The scripture tells us that every single one of us is given talents when we were born. You're familiar with the, the um, parable of the talents, right? One got one, one got five, one got more, right? And the one guy that got one, he buried it. Well, I don't have any talents. No, you've got one. And this is the cool thing about God. No, no matter how many you've got, God always multiplies it. So you can start with one and be the one that ends up with 100,000. If you keep sowing that talent, if you keep giving it back to him, if you keep bringing it to him and letting him sow into you, right? The word talent comes from the Latin talentum. Okay, it means weight. Soon as I read that, the Lord said, I want you to teach them to be heavyweights in the spirit. I can take these kids, they were going to board meetings, regional board meetings, eight and nine years old with me sitting in the atmosphere, so they can carry the weight of his glory. I walk into a room sometimes and I watch people around me and you can see them twitterpating, you know, or flitching and twitching under the oppression of the principality that's in my room. My kids are like, hey mom, how you doing? I'm like, oh. <laughs> they've learned to carry some weight because they've been in it, right? And it's the same with us. We have these opportunities to teach our kids, okay, I need you to do this. This trial is coming at you real fast. It's like one of those punching bags. It's really important you stay focused. It's really important you stay on rhythm. You stay with the heartbeat of the Father. Right? It's training you. And we're in those moments sometimes where that bag is just flying. And we're like, Lord, my arm is on fire. He's like, you're going to be all right, baby girl. Keep hitting it. Keep hitting it. Keep hitting it. Keep hitting it. 
And then when we get tired, he's like, no problem, tap out. Yeah, I got to tap out. I can't do this no more. Right? And it's like Holy Spirit takes over. You can always pray in tongues and tap out anytime you want. Holy Spirit just taps it for you. Come on. Talent also means a sum of money or something of value. And there's no greater value that any of us has than Christ in us, the hope of glory. I mean, in and of ourselves, we're pretty valuable in the sense that we have talents and we have gifts and we got these really unique, fun looks and personalities, right? I mean, that's valuable and beautiful, right? But the greatest thing that we carry around that is valuable is Christ in us. It's the destiny, it's the purpose for which we are created. And when we fulfill that purpose, when we fulfill that destiny, whoa, you can change entire Cities, entire families, entire states, entire nations, entire vocational job places. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, you literally can shift an atmosphere and bring a change and bring the kingdom of God. It's awesome. So the best thing we can do to ensure they have talent, to ensure they become heavyweights, to ensure they understand that they're children of value. It's to teach them to be people of faith because that faith is what's of greater worth than gold. To teach them to stay in it, to continually, tenderly surrender over and over and over again, to dream big, to step out. And it's like I heard Father God saying, you point them to me, my son, my word, my spirit, and I will give them the weight of my glory and teach them how to carry it. Come on. Now, I've got a couple more slides here and we're done. And then he brought this up. Nobody likes it. Anybody have a hard time punishing their kid the first time when you're a new parent? Okay, when I was a new parent, I did. Second kid, not so much, sorry. Okay, first kid, I mean, broke my heart. But the scripture says in Proverbs 13, 24, if you withhold correction and punishment from your children, you actually are demonstrating a lack of true love. So prove your love. And be prompt, be prompt to punish. Prompt, do it quickly. Don't wait, don't delay. But be prompt to punish. And I thought, whoa, fear God fell on me when I wrote that. I thought, Lord, thank you for your discipline. Thank you for being prompt. I don't want that thing growing into something else that it's not supposed to be. Right? So real quick, I remember this one story. Jaden was little, and he was actually only two. Okay, this tells you the personality, okay? Camille was my perfect child, okay? At least I thought she was perfect until I figured out what she was doing behind the scenes that I didn't know about. And then we dealt with it, okay? She was just real smart, smart and sneaky. Now, Jane was different. Jane, if he was thinking it, it was coming out his mouth, so he was getting in trouble all the time. Two years old, I don't even remember what happened. All I remember is I'm sitting on the phone with my mom crying because I had to put him in his crib because he wouldn't listen to me. I'd asked him to do something, he wouldn't do it, and he had yelled at me. And I'm like, Mom, I really don't want to spank him. <laughs> I don't know what to do. He's so little. I just don't want to do it. He's so cute, you know. <laughs> and Cammie's in her room. She was already in trouble. She just, like, went and obeyed, of course, because that's what she did. So she's in a room, she's already in trouble, and Jaden's in his crib bawling, screaming like he's dying, like I ripped his legs off and I'm hanging him from the ceiling. And I'm crying, brokenhearted, calling my mom for advice. I'm on the phone with her, I'm sitting on the couch, and Jaden climbs out of his crib, 
comes out the door and stands in front of me, right about here, puts his arm on his little diaper hip, extends his other arm with a prophet finger and starts yelling at me. It is your fault. I in trouble. Your fault. Your fault. I trouble. I thought tears dried right up. I thought, Lord, Mom, I'm going to call you back. I'm good. I'm good. Let me call you right back. I hung up that phone. I thought, boy, I needed that, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I gave him a little powder pat, if you will, on the backside. We never had a problem like that again. I had a flash vision all of a sudden of Jane being 13 years old and having his finger in my face and saying, who do you think you are? You, you can't tell me what to do. And I was like, Whew. yeah, sad feelings left immediately. Immediately, because I thought, I'm not having a teenager that talks to me like this. Hex, no, 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 no. That punishment came quick and the grace to do it. And I know that was God because I was bawling like a baby. I was such a tender heart. I had this one who did whatever I said. As soon as I said it, she went in the room. She's like, okay. Right? And then this wild child, I was like, whoa, what is this? You know? It was crazy. So that quick, yeah, that quick punishment, it's important. And it works, Right? Yes. Consequences help us to avoid doing bad behavior again. Anybody had a few consequences where you're like, eh, won't be doing that again? <laughs> Amen. Me too. We're like, thank you, Jesus. That is forever burned in my conscience. <laughs> right? And then I saw him lean in again, and he said, teach them to honor me and to honor you and their mother. Fathers, teach them to honor me and to honor you and their mothers and to honor the body of Christ. If they learn to honor God, they'll eventually honor others because the scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbor as what? Yourself, okay? So the more you love and honor God, the more you receive his love and counter his love. You're actually changed and enabled to be able to honor others, right? If you teach them to honor you and your spouse, they'll learn to honor and respect adults. But if you let your children disrespect you, they're going to disrespect other men. If you let your children disrespect your wife, they're going to disrespect their wife and their sisters and every other woman in their life. One of my favorite things Shane ever did, um, Jane was upset about something about the dog one time. I had disciplined the dog or hollered at the dog. The dog wasn't listening. I was like, listen, I'm going to punish this dog quickly. <laughs> I looked at the dog. I hollered at the dog in a loud voice because he was not listening. He was scaring somebody that was in our home. Something like that. And Jaden, of course, is starting to be a teenager. The testosterone is off the charts. He gets in that mode and, don't you yell at my dog. I thought, oh, Jesus. I backed up because he's big now. I mean, he's like 5'9 at this time. And Shane, here comes Shane, six foot two. Don't you ever talk to your mother that way. And I was like, oh, Jesus, check and me. I'm not even going to have to say nothing. I'm just going to walk away. Just like the men bring the fear of the Lord when they create the culture in the house, when a man steps up and says, hey, not in my house, that's not okay. It does set a precedence. That is, it marks a son, it marks a daughter in a way that they're forever changed. And they're like, yeah, okay, that's not okay. It really does cause the fear of the Lord to fall on them. If you teach them to honor the body of Christ, which is made of many different nations and various levels of mature believers, you will teach them how to be successful and have healthy relationships in any community they go into. We are living in a nation where people are trying to make it about race, 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 race. 
And listen, this side of the kingdom, we better get real comfortable with the idea that people that look like us are going to be in, do, that look like us are going to be in heaven and people that don't look like us are going to be in heaven. And guess what? They're my brothers and my sisters. So we better start getting used to it now. We sing different. We play music different. We talk different. And it's beautiful and it's glorious. And God is kind of fond of us, all of us, just the way we are. But how we teach our kids to respond to people of different ethnicities is our responsibility. And I do believe we'll be held accountable for that. And we should be celebrating those different nations. I love talking to Lyra because she always tells me how she likes to try different foods and she loves different nations. And we're always talking about that with her kids. She's very intentional about teaching her children how to love different people. I love people that are different than them, how important the different nations are. And that is so key. It's so key. Why? Because our brothers and sisters are literally from different ethnos. It says, my, my house will be a house of prayer for what? All nations. That's right. It's for all nations, but it's also from all nations. Right? Yeah. So that's important. That's important. All right. We're almost there. This was loud and clear for me specifically. And, and his face looked different on this one than it did on some of the other ones. But I heard, sometimes as adults, your child still needs to be carried through a season. We don't know. Maybe they went through a breakup. Maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe there was a death in the family or a divorce in the family. There's nothing better in my past season, this past season with my husband having divorced me recently, nothing better than being able to go home and lay on my mama's couch and know she doesn't expect me to say a word or ask a thing of her. But I, if I want to talk, I can. If I don't, I don't have to. But she's going to feed me like there's no tomorrow and keep trying to feed me whether I want it or not. And she's just going to throw a blanket over and let me be where I need to be. But when I'm ready, she'll, she'll have that conversation. No better feeling in the world for me this year than that. And this hit me so hard. And I called my mom and I thanked her several times. I said, Mom, I can't thank you enough. She's like, I didn't do anything. I said, you don't even know what you did. You carried me. Just being able to be there and go to that place where you had created a fortress. You had created a safe place. And I could get out of my environment, out of my house, out of this city, and just go rest. And know I was in the presence of someone that cared deeply about me and wanted me safe and secure and was praying for me. It meant the world. Isn't that awesome? And there's no better feeling for a mom. At least I can speak on mom's behalf, and I'm sure, Brent, you would probably agree from a dad's perspective. You know, we've, I've heard you talk about your family. Um, but there's no better feeling in the world than having them home and having them with you and knowing that they're okay and that they're strong enough to take care of themselves and do what it is they need to do. There's no better feeling in the world than knowing... Man, what, that talk we had really helped. Jackie and I have had tons of talks. She comes over for coffee on Mondays. And my heart is full when she leaves. Cammie's done the same thing. Sometimes she'll still jump up in bed with me and pass out next to me with the cats and the dogs and all the animals. But there's no better feeling in a mama's heart, in my heart, in a father's heart, than to know who. I, I don't feel like I did much, but I know they're stronger when they left than they were when they got here. In Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 31, the Lord said, The Lord carried you as a father carries his son all the way 
you went until you reached this place. And so we have to be ready to carry our kids until they reach the place, their destiny, that place of peace, that place of okayness, the place of wholeness, that place of complete strength in the Lord, right? As long as they're willing, right? You can't force it on them. You don't want them screaming and kicking over your shoulder, right? Once they're adults, you kind of got to let them figure it out. But when they're coming, as long as they're willing to come, you know, in the spirit, that's what we do. We, we carry them through prayer. We carry them through coming over and visiting. We carry them through coaching. We carry them through asking questions. Sometimes we, we carry them just by doing their laundry or watching their pets or moving rocks or just having coffee or just listening, being on a walk, talking for an hour and a half and listening, letting them verbally process. My mom let me verbally process so many times this year. I was like, I'm sick of hearing myself. I don't know how you listen to me this long. And she said, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, you do. And my heart just said, thank you. Thank you for loving me so well. It's our greatest privilege. And I think that is very much like the heart of the Father. We, he loves to listen to you. He loves to listen to me. He loves to allow you to go on your rant and do your thing. And you're thinking, gosh, I'm sick of listening to myself. And he might joke with you, right? And be like, yeah, okay, good. Were you done yet? <laughs> right? But he actually loves to listen to you. He cares. He's so, so good. So as fathers, as parents, we're holding this acorn in one season. And you plant it and you obey and you have moment after moment after moment. You use your time wisely. And you sow into them and you teach them about true inheritance and treasure. And you teach them about their talent and who God made them to be. And you help them to relate to God as Father because you know they're not always going to be with you. And you plant that acorn and all of a sudden they start to look like an oak. And they're resonating the frequency of the kingdom and they're absolutely beautiful. And that is the moment that gives us the greatest joy. It's the moment that gives Father God the greatest amount of pleasure when he looks and he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Apostle John wrote that. There's no greater joy than when you've said something or shared something with your children or trained someone in a way and you're watching them finally walk therein. It's like, yes. Yes, because they've come to a place of being a blessing, not only receiving the blessing and understanding the blessing in their mind, but living it out and emanating it. And now they're capable of multiplying it everywhere they go. And then you know you have a legacy. And what God has taught you no longer stops with you, but it will go generation after generation after generation, like that song, to a thousand generations. And I'm going to close with this because this was the last statement I heard. Son of God, remember to celebrate them and tell them well done very often and how very proud you are of them. And I want you to know I am proud of you too.
I am proud of you too. Amen. Amen. I want to... Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.